Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Man, I love being the pastor of this church. I just want y'all to know that. I love hanging out with y'all and doing this this thing together. <laughs> Man, it's so it's so good. Thank y'all for uh, entering into worship today. You have blessed my heart today as you have blessed the Lord uh, from your soul today. Um, I got a, a little treasure right here I want to tell you all about. Uh, it's got little stickers, uh, flowery stickers on it, and, uh, and it's written in my mama's perfect 83-year-old lady cursive handwriting that uh, kids don't know how to do these days. Um, but uh, inside here, and on the front it says, Recipes for Vicky. So inside of here are recipes from my mama. Mama doesn't do a lot of cooking now um, after daddy passed away. Uh, she really, she just kind of stopped doing a lot of that stuff because she got so tired. She got so worn out taking care of daddy during his uh, uh, Alzheimer's stuff. She just kind of had to back off for a while. She's still, she's cooking a little bit more now, but not, not certainly not like she used to. Uh, but just a wonderful Southern Belle lady cook that... Uh, cooks all that stuff that ain't good for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just su- such good stuff. And so this, uh, she gave, uh, Vicki, when did she give this to you? Uh, about two or, three, two or three years ago. So she gave these uh, recipes to Vicki, and some of them, this is pretty new, but this little pad that, that Mama got, but these, some of these are, have been around for a while. This one um, is, is pretty old. But it's just, it's so cool just to, um, I mean, this is Mama. This, you know, when you look at this, this is Mama. And uh, so anyway, it, it, I'm not going to read them to you, but just tell you about some, just give you a little, a little taste of, of how my Mama uh, operates. So this is a uh, recipe for fried rice. And so she gives the recipe and all that kind of stuff. And then down at the bottom, she says, we always had this, it seems. The grandchildren loved it. So there's that one. And then there is a, a recipe for a fruit salad. And uh, so she, we, we had that all the time. And so here's the recipe for the fruit salad that she does. And down at the bottom, she wrote, this is good as a salad or over pound cake like Reese loves. That's my son. And then she said, we always have this, it seems. Johnny loves it. So Johnny gets the fruit salad. And I was glad. By the way, I'm Johnny. So uh, um, candied sweet potato. Man, Mama did some candied yams every year for Thanksgiving's just unbelievable, and uh, so um, talking about that down at the bottom, she said uh, this was Tim's favorite. Uh, my older brother Tim uh, uh, loved the candied yams, and uh, then here's uh, the chicken salad that is Vicky's favorite. Uh, that's at the top, and uh, down at the bottom, uh, she said skin uh, skin on bone chicken yields four cups of chicken just right. So anyway. Uh, Oh, and just, you know, it's just mama. It's just mama when I read this. So down here, Rachel's in here, chocolate, her uh, recipe for chocolate chest pie says, and uh, she said, um, uh, uh, got a little asterisk, if you beat it too much, it will separate into two layers. That's why you use a fork 
Rachel loves this. So that, that's Rachel's chocolate chest pie. And then here's the corn casserole that was Vicky's favorite. And then here are the apple dumplings that were made by the grandchildren and Wesley at Thanksgiving. So anyway, it's just, this is mama. I mean, you just read these recipes and it's just mama. And you, in these recipes, you've got all the necessary ingredients. You've got all the necessary process. You've got all the necessary time. But you've got mama. You've got the necessary love that goes into it. And because there's so much more to these recipes than just fixing a dish. Because every one of these recipes and these dishes connect to us. I mean, I think about the fried rice. I think about the candy yams. I think about the, the, the fruit salad. And, and it's just so cool because you know, these recipes lead to that end result. If you want to make the chocolate chest pie that Rachel loves so much, then this is, here's the ingredients, the time, the process to get to that place where you can make that. If you want to make the fruit salad that Johnny loves so much, then here are the ingredients that you use, and this is the process you go through to get to that point. If you want to make that. And Jesus said, you've got to make disciples. So if you want to make disciples, and not if you want to, if you're a Christ follower, in order for you to be obedient and to make disciples, then we've got to have some ingredients, we've got to know the process, we've got to, know, we've got to think about the time that it takes to get us to that end result of doing what Jesus has told us to do and to make disciples. And so for the last, today's the fifth week of the year, fifth week of January, so for the five weeks in a row now, we've been talking about Discipleship 101. We've just been talking about this thing of making disciples. And, and so if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not beating you up, jumping on you. But I want to kind of do a real quick overview. If you have been, this will be a reminder to you of what we've been talking about. But I want to kind of tell you what we've been doing for the last four weeks, now five weeks, to get us to where we are right now. First Sunday of the year, we talked about the title of the message the first Sunday of the year was Win One Disciple One. Win One Disciple One. I issued that, that challenge to all of us, including myself, that in the year 2022, I would win one person to faith in Christ, and I would disciple one person in their walk with Jesus. Hashtag W1D1. We're kind of starting to use that on social media some now. Win One Disciple One. So that's what we talked about, and we talked about... Um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, that Philip was obedient when the Lord said go, and he looked for the open door, and when God, he engaged with the person when he ran into the guy in the, in the chariot, God opened the door for Philip to step through, and Philip stepped through, won the guy to faith in Christ, then baptized him. Now, we don't know, we don't have anything else in Scripture about that relationship. Uh, we don't know, it. We, probably the Ethiopian eunuch went on back to Ethiopia, and Philip went on his way to do his thing, but... The, the, the importance of winning somebody faith in Christ, but then when the opportunity exists to disciple somebody in their walk with Jesus, win one, disciple one. The next week, what we talked about was the biblical basis for discipleship from, Mac, uh, from Matthew chapter 9, that God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Here's the plan. Here's the plan. That's why we talk about this and use this thing all the time, because here's the plan. God's got a plan, and his plan is to use us. To use people. That ought to just blow your mind that God uses you. He wants to use you. And you say, I'm totally inadequate. Good. Glad you understand that. I'm totally unworthy. Exactly right. But God will give you the power to be able to do 
his plan. Man, it's so cool. And that's just the biblical basis for discipleship. And then the Sunday that I had COVID, I was preaching from my uh, bonus room at my house. And so if you watched on Facebook, uh, did, uh, if you weren't, that didn't able to. But uh, the, the title of the message that day was Both And. Both And. And the importance, that was from, uh, from Acts chapter 2 and talking about the early church and that the church was involved in both evangelism and discipleship. Discipleship and evangelism. Evangelism and discipleship. Discipleship and evangelism. It's a total church thing. That's why we've been talking about it for this entire month. Discipleship 101. Just foundational stuff. It's a total church thing. That we've got to be involved in discipleship, both discipleship and evangelism. And we will be, when, when we are devoted to, to biblical teaching of the Word of God, when we are devoted to biblical fellowship with one another, when, that's why coming to church is so important. You don't just do this, just to check, maybe somebody does, just check off your spiritual box this week, went to church, thing, now on to the next thing. No, you do this because this is such an important part of this discipleship thing, when we're devoted to biblical prayer, then we'll do that and it will, it will grow the church. It will strengthen the church. We will see more people come to faith in Christ. We will see the church grow uh, numerically, exponentially. We will see God, and the, and the church will grow spiritually when we're involved in both evangelism and discipleship. And then last week we talked about multiplication, not addition. That was 2 Timothy 2.2. The things you have heard from me and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's the New Testament definition of discipleship. You entrusted to somebody who will, you make a disciple who will make a disciple who will make a disciple who will make a disciple. And, and you keep passing the baton. You keep, you keep passing the bucket. You keep going, you keep going, you keep going. I said, I told you last week, I'll tell you again, I mean, uh, I said last week, I don't know how much longer I've got to keep doing this. God gave me another week. Thank you, Lord, we're here today. I don't know how much longer, but I'm telling you, the, 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 uh, the conviction that I have in my heart now is as long as God gives me breath to keep doing this thing, then this is what I will be doing. This is the focus of the rest of my life. I make that, dec <laughs> that declaration to you so you can... So you can hold me accountable. Because for the rest of my life, it's going to be discipleship and evangelism, evangelism and discipleship. So I will tell you, as your pastor, that's what you're going to hear from now on. However much longer the Lord lets me be your pastor, the focus is going to be evangelism and discipleship, discipleship and evangelism, evangelism and discipleship, discipleship and evangelism. The children's ministry, the youth ministry, the music ministry, the missions ministry, the deacon ministry, the life group ministry, the, uh, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, everything falls under that umbrella. And so today we get to this last message in this and just simply say how to make disciples. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to do this. We're going to wrap up this series by, <laughs> I used this word and everybody snickered at 8 o'clock, by briefly looking at uh, the life of Jesus and how he related to his disciples. And so I will do my best because we, we're going to do the Lord's Supper at the end and I don't want, we're not just going to tag the Lord's Supper. Oops, forgot to do it. It is part of worship and it's so important that we do it right but I do want to jump into this message and talk about this thing of discipleship and Jesus we're going to look at Jesus's relationship with his disciples and how does that connect with us and our disciple making process that we're supposed to be involved in 
So if you've got your Bible, I hear you turning those pages. Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. Luke, I'm actually going to read through 27. Luke chapter 9, I, I, hear, I, I keep saying to you, just no, no, you know, no arm twist in here, but man, I want you to bring your, but you need to bring your Bible to worship when you can. It's so important to have your Bible with you so you can read it, look at it. And, and, that's, and that's one reason, I'll just be honest with you, it's just a personal preference, nothing, nothing wrong with it. That's why I don't put scripture verses on, on the screen. You know, a lot of preachers do that, a lot of churches do that. Maybe you like that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it works a lot of times. But for me, the reason I don't is because I want you to have this sitting in your lap. I want you looking at this. I don't want you to get lazy and just go, well, I don't have to bring my Bible because I always got the verses up on the screen. I want you looking at your Bible. So stand, please, and let's read Luke chapter 9, um, Luke chapter 9 verse 23 through 27. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Verse 25 will we'll get you. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or loses his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. May God bless the reading of this incredible word. Let's pray together. Father, help us now. Holy Spirit, you move in our hearts and lives and teach us and move us to a place of obedience today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. All right, so let me tell you where we are in Jesus' life and ministry here in Luke chapter 9. Uh, Jesus, many of you know this, Jesus had about a three-year earthly ministry. From about the age 30 to 33 was his earthly ministry of teaching, preaching, and healing. Remember we talked about those three things Teaching, preaching, and healing. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. That's what Jesus did. He did that for about three years. And uh, so where we are here in Luke chapter 9, if you backed up into Luke chapter 8, you'd read the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Everybody is familiar with that. One of Jesus's, probably his most famous uh, uh, miracle. That's what most people think about when they think about the miracles of Jesus is the feeding of the 5,000 men. So you add the women and the children, you're probably looking at 10,000 to 15,000 people that were fed that day. So when you get to that place in Jesus' life, remember, three-year ministry, total, 30 to 33. But when you get to the feeding of the 5,000, you're, you're about 18 months into his three-year ministry. So you're about halfway. You're about halfway through Jesus' earthly ministry when we get to Luke chapter 9. And that first 18 months is called the Great Galilean Ministry because that's Jesus was focused on ministering in Galilee. The people would come to him up on, you remember, on the mountainside and all this came. He would teach and preach and heal and all this massive. By 18 months in, uh, people knew about him. People had heard about him. They saw his miracles. They saw all the stuff that he was doing. They heard him preach and teach. And so he's, he's pretty uh, famous now. Uh, you know, he's, he's really got it going now. And so this, is, this, so this is an incredibly important juncture in Jesus' earthly ministry right here. Because he's about to say something that is going to blow his disciples' mind. Look at verse 22. Jesus said to them, he's saying to his disciples, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. First time his disciples heard that. Can you imagine what they thought? What are you talking about? Dude, I mean, we, we're, we're, we're going here, man. 
we're going, man. Don't you see what's happening, man? The people are coming. The, 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 the folks are getting healed. And, and we, we, you're preaching and teaching. And what? And so what happens here is the shift goes from this Galilean ministry with all these people coming to Jesus, coming to his disciples, said, all right, guys, now, you've got to understand this. We're going to get to Jerusalem, and this is what's going to happen. So what's happening now here is the shift is Jesus heading to Jerusalem now because you know what happened in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where he ended up being arrested, killed, crucified, buried, resurrected. So we're headed toward Jerusalem now. So such an important time because Jesus was letting these guys know, letting his disciples know, here's what's going to happen to me. This is what you can expect to happen to you because I got a plan and you got to be ready to fulfill my plan. The guys had not, the disciples had not heard the Great Commission yet. Jesus knew it was coming. And so they're shifting gears now, and he's going to, from now on, he's going to keep telling them, guys, you've got to get ready. You've got to be ready. This is going to happen to me. This is what you need to know. This is what's going on right now. So we're shifting now to uh, Jesus really focusing on his disciples as he heads toward the cross. And so the application for this message today is that we need to model our disciple-making after Jesus' disciple-making. So what are the ingredients that we see in Jesus' disciple-making? And how, what do we need to be doing? Well, number one, we've got to be intentional. Jesus was very intentional with his disciples. If you went to the, I, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. We talked about that a few, uh, several weeks ago. The synoptic gospels. They tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry. The Gospel of John has a little different twist, a little different focus, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So if you go to Matthew's uh, account of him telling his disciples, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. It says in Matthew chapter 6, I think it is, uh, let me make sure, I want to do that right. Um, in Matthew, yeah, Matthew chapter 6, 24, it says, and he said to his disciples, right, so he said to his disciples, Mark's account in Mark 8.34 was and calling the crowd to himself with his disciples. Alright, so Matthew says he said this to his disciples. Mark said he called the crowd, and so he said it to the crowd and to his disciples. And you see what, uh, what Luke said in verse 23, and he said to all. So the point I'm making is that he was very intentional in speaking to his disciples, those 12 guys that he had called to follow him, but also to anybody else in the crowd or in all of the people who were contemplating following him, he was very intentional to say to them, this is what you need to know. If anyone wants to come after me, if you're out there thinking that you want to follow me because you've seen me do some miracles and you've heard my teaching and you kind of like the way I do things and you think maybe there's something to this thing and you're thinking about, I might want to follow him. If anyone wants to follow me, then you must, number one, deny yourself. Deny yourself. That's not necessarily... Uh, just denying something in your life like, you, you know, the Catholics do during Lent, you know, or uh, other people do during Lent. Okay, for these, I'm going to give up chocolate. Why? But anyway, you know, I'm going to give up chocolate. I'm, I'm going to give up social media for a while. That's good. I'm going to give up watching TV. I'm going to give up this or whatever. 
for this time, this little temporary time. So maybe, And there's nothing wrong with that because maybe those things do help you. I think it's really good to give up social media for a while, maybe permanently, but to take a break and to focus on the Lord, take a fast from social media and stuff so that you can focus on the Lord. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. When he says you deny yourself, he's saying you, you're willing to chunk it all. You deny yourself. You, you deny control of your life. And you give me control. And that's a hard thing for us to do. Man, I'm in control of my life. I run my business. I'm in charge of my company. I run things at my house. And Jesus says, you give that up and let me be in control. Deny yourself. Very intentional. You want to follow me? Deny yourself. Secondly, take up your cross. Take up your cross. What is that talking about? He's saying, you've you, you got to make a commitment to me that will lead to ridicule, rejection, possibly even death. Can you make that kind of commitment? Being very intentional to my disciples, but to anybody else. Hey, anybody else out there thinking about following me? You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. Be willing to be ridiculed, rejected, possibly even give up your physical life. And then come follow me. You follow my example. You follow my teachings. You follow my commands. You follow me. I will be your teacher from now on. Remember the word disciple means student, pupil, apprentice. So he was very intentional. So we got to do the same thing. That's why over the course of this month and when we get to the end of this service, we're going to be very intentional about you and me making a commitment to do this thing. So be, be intentional. Jesus was very intentional. Build personal relationships, number two. Build personal relationships. You look at Jesus' life, he had different levels of relationships. You look at his ministry. You look over the course of those three years of his ministry. He had different levels of relationships. There was the multitudes of people. Man, people everywhere were following him, all over the place. Multitudes of people. Thousands of people coming, and he fed thousands. So this mass of people. But then in that mass, you had the crowds. There's a difference between the multitudes and the crowds. The crowds were the people that were kind of, they, they may have been drawn by the things they heard about him or the miracles. They may have been drawn by that initially, but the crowds are people that are starting to kind of go, there may be something more to this. I think I want some more information. I think I want to find out a little bit more. And then from the crowds, you got the 12. Those 12 guys that we know as his disciples that, that he called to follow him. But then they even look in the 12, and out of the 12, you had three that apparently very clearly had a very special relationship with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They got to do things that the other nine didn't get to do. Now, that does not mean that Jesus didn't love the other nine as much as he loved Peter, James, and John. It's just that he was investing a little bit more into Peter, James, and John. In fact, verse 27 there says, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Move to verse 28, and you go into the transfiguration. Guess who got to go up on the mountain for the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. That's who Jesus was talking about in verse 27. They got to see the kingdom of God. They got to see Jesus transfigured. But even in Peter, James, and John, what do we know about John? He's known as the beloved disciple. 
So even out of those three, there must have been something even more intimate and personal and intentional about Jesus' relationship with John. And so Jesus would, had, he loved everybody. Listen, he loved the crowds. He loved the multitudes. For God so loved the world. So he loved everybody. But as, those, as the, the, the relationships changed and went from the multitudes to the crowds, from the crowds to the twelve, from the twelve to the three, from the three to the one, they got more personal, they got more intentional, they got more relational. And you and I have those same relationships. Who are, we, who are we called to reach with the gospel? You will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the what? Ends of the earth. So we have a relationship with the entire world. And yet we live here in Madison County. We live here in Florida, Mississippi. We go to Tri-County. We go to First Baptist Flora. We got people in our life group. Now that life group, there's some people that I'm really close to, and then maybe there are some people that I have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with. Build those personal relationships. I've got guys, I've got two guys right now that one-on-one, -on -one, we meet one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I love all of y'all. I wish I could meet one-on-one -on -one with every one of you. I love you all. But chances are, no matter how long I'm your pastor here, I won't get to disciple every one of you one-on-one. -on -one. That's why at the end of this service, there's going to be some of you going to step up and go, I will, I'll disciple somebody. Build those personal relationships. Next, be honest about the cost. Hey, be honest about the cost. If you think, think about what Jesus said there. When he was talking to the people, he said, look, if you want to come follow me, you better consider the cost. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, following me, is serious business. It is serious. You better think about the cost. Now look, let me be very, very clear about something. It is absolutely true that salvation is a free gift of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So salvation is absolutely a free gift of God. If you've never given your life to Christ today, then accept the free gift that he goes, here, you want it? Get it. Believe in me, you can have it. Salvation is a free gift. But it is also absolutely true that salvation will cost you everything. See, we don't talk about that much, do we? We don't talk about that a lot. Because to deny yourself and to take up your cross is an act of complete commitment and sacrifice. Listen, the cross, we like to wear it around our neck. We like to wear earrings. We like to whatever. It, it, nothing wrong with those things. But the cross, when those guys heard Jesus say, you take up your cross, they went, what? When they, because the cross was what the Romans used to kill people. It was an instrument of death. It was an instrument of execution. It was cruel. It was horrible. It was painful. It would be akin to you and me saying, if you want to follow me, Jesus saying to you and me, if you want to follow me, then take up your electric chair. Take up your lethal injection. If you want to come after me, take up your 
firing squad. Take up your hangman's gallow if you want to come follow me. Consider the cost. So when we're discipling somebody, we don't need to go, hey man, everything's going to be fine, boy. Dude. Hey man, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's, just, it's, 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 it's not. Following Jesus. It's, it's joyful. It's full of joy. It's, it's give, it gives purpose and meaning and direction. Every, I wouldn't stand here Sunday after Sunday and preach it if I didn't believe it. But consider the cost. Be honest. Be honest about the cost. Listen to what one pastor said about it. A guy named Stephen Cole said this. He said, salvation is both absolutely free and yet it costs you your very life. You receive it freely at no expense to you. But once you receive it, you have just committed everything you are and have to Jesus Christ. Be honest. Jesus was honest with these guys about the, the cost. You want to come follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross. Hey, listen to what he said in Matthew, uh, uh, Luke chapter 14. If you, gotta, if you can flip over there, just look at this real quick. Luke 14, verse 25. Now great, great crowds accompanied him. So here's those crowds again. And he turned and said to them, said to the crowd, he said, hey, look, if anybody in this crowd comes to me and does not, <laughs> does not, Rachel, hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be, there's that cross thing again, can't be for which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Look at verse 33. So therefore, if any of you in this crowd who does not denounce, renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's pretty high cost, isn't it? Be honest about the cost and then build spiritual maturity. The reason Jesus was investing in these guys is because they had work to do. And so when we're doing this discipleship, the reason for discipleship, the reasons, the purposes for discipleship, the reason, the ultimate reason is to build your soul. I mean, you work out to build your muscles. You, you do those kinds of things. You exercise to try to stay in shape. And discipleship is the way that we build our soul. It deepens your commitment to Christ. It strengthens your walk with Christ. It equips you to serve Christ. And it prepares you to face Christ one day. So the reason that we would be involved in discipleship is to build spiritual maturity. In our lives, if, we're, if you're going to disciple somebody, then you need to be growing in your walk with the Lord. If you're going to be discipled by somebody, that purpose of that is to help you grow in your walk with the Lord so that you can then disciple someone and so then they can disciple someone so you look at that, the ingredients that we see in Jesus that need to be in us, be intentional. Build those personal relationships, be honest about the cost, and build spiritual maturity. And that's what this thing is about. That's what this whole thing is about. This whole discipleship 101 thing is about. It's getting to this point where we go, you know what, I... I want to take a step in that direction. 
I'm not going to preach five weeks of this without giving you the opportunity now to take a step in that direction. There's a card inside your bulletin. If you didn't get one, we can probably find some. Are there some back there, Harvey? If uh, somebody needs some, I don't Maybe not. Okay. Everybody got a card? Or if you... So what I want to invite you to do right now, if you don't have a card, just grab a piece of paper, rip a page out of, not out of your Bible, uh, but I mean, but, uh, do, you know, find a uh, Kleenex or something or whatever. I, but, but this card, what this card says is two things, two opportunities. Put your name and phone number and email on there, but then the top box, top statement says, I would like to disciple someone in their walk with Christ. I'd like to do that. Now look, there's a whole bunch of you in here that can do that. Some of you that think you can't do it, can do it. God wants to use you to do that. If you know Jesus, you can do that. So, maybe some of you are ready. You know, a few weeks ago I asked, how many of y'all would like for somebody to disciple you? Hands went up everywhere. So there are people in this room right now that need for you to go, I'll, I'll step into your life right now. I'll step into your life right now and I'll start walking with you. So some of you can check that box and say, I'll do that. I'd like to disciple somebody. I'll tell you what that means in just a second, but that's the first commitment. Second commitment, some of you raised your hand a couple of weeks ago and said, I would like to be discipled by somebody. I'd like for somebody either one-on-one, it'll be man with man, woman with woman. I would like to have somebody disciple me, walk with me. Or you'd like to be in a small group of the same gender group, a group of two or three men, a group of two or three women. Vicki talked about the mentor thing with the, the women's ministry. But you said, I would like to be a part of that. I would like for somebody to help me. I need for somebody to help me in my walk with the Lord. You'll check that box. If you want to do one-on-one, check that. If you want to be in a small group, check that. If it doesn't matter, check both of them, whatever. And then in just a second, I'll give the invitation. I'm going to invite you to bring this card up here and just drop it here on the front of the stage. And we'll make a commitment to you that if you make the... And there was a stack of cards that big at 8 o'clock. I'm not trying to say, y'all got to do better than 8 o'clock or anything. I'm, but I'm just telling there's people saying, I'll do this. I will disciple. I, I had somebody walk in that was at 8 o'clock, handed me his card. It's right here, handed me his card. And on the top of his card, said, I'll disciple somebody. Man, just bless my heart. Some of you are ready to do that. Fill that out, bring it up here and drop it here and then we will do our part. Harvey's got some cards back there. If anybody needs one, you raise your hand and, and we'll get to you. And just bring it up here and drop it. And then we'll do our best to connect you with somebody. If you want to disciple somebody, we'll, or if you want to be discipled, we'll do that. So that's it. Make disciples. We'll make disciples. We'll make disciples. Father, help us now to make the commitment that you're calling us to make, Lord. God, this is, it, it, you know, this is just what Jesus told us to do. So God, help us to be obedient. We trust you. We thank you. Build your church, Lord. Build your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, Lord.